Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown with myself, Joe Oberly, senior writer at Vikings Territory and PurplePTSD.com and Mark Craig from the Star Tribune and Star Tribune.com. Well, that's tough to say, Mark. Sorry. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah, I had, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a little, t- I tripped over that uh, with my first question to the head coach. I, uh, so. Yeah, he's, he's got you marked now, huh? He's got you uh, uh, figured out. Well, I, you know, welcome to Minnesota. We're in Minnesota where it's snowing, snowing snow. Like crazy and uh, raining down coaches and new staff members. So we're going to talk about it. Kevin Kevin O'Connell was uh, introduced as the new coach and had his introductory presser last week. Mark was in attendance, so I know that uh, uh, he was there to see the festivities and had some, you know, some old timers and uh, uh, John Randall and. Uh, Stud, Scott Studwell, and I can't remember uh, who the other guy was. Uh, Randall McDaniel. It was Randall McDaniel, yeah. And uh, so that was nice to see. And, and, and uh, Kevin O'Connell seemed to think uh, think that was neat. Bud Grant was there too, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, Mark, what did you uh, think? You were there. You saw him. I, he was pretty impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I, I like him. Uh, it's, it's the completion of the full circle uh, anti-Zimmer movement. It was – you know, him or saying all the things that you always hear said whenever a new coach comes in, it's the culture. The word culture must have been said a hundred times. Um, the difference in this one was, and it, this completes the full anti-Zimmer movement, is a lot of talking about shared ownership with the players as far as that's the new talking point. That's the McVay tree. That's the, you know, what's, you know, the Super Bowl had two guys in their 30s and uh, that's the new. That's what uh, Eric Kendricks and Brian O'Neill and guys were asking for. That's you know Aaron Rodgers last off season. You know wanted you know more involvement. That's kind of what we're talking about now in today's NFL. Um, so he said all the right things. He he got all the talking points in without making it seem that way. The fans are the greatest. The stadium's the greatest. The alumni's the greatest. Um, the Vikings the reporters are the greatest. Podcast. Yeah, that's, so yeah, they said Joe Oberly's got to be the greatest. So that's what I knew. He's full of you know what, but uh, no, everything, every everything was touched on. I thought the biggest difference in things I had never seen before. We did not see Mike Zimmer eight years ago, nine years ago, standing there going, "I'm going to give shared ownership to the players and how right. we do this." And that's kind of the new thing. Um, Mark, do you think it's, it's said a lot? Do you think you can overcorrect on something like that? I mean, certainly you can possibility but i mean is it's the new buzzword it's the new thing it's the new as you just described very well uh but aren't there some players that appreciate you know uh, a, a strong hierarchy that says okay he's the boss you do what he says and, and and i can i know where i stand or as some kind of touchy-feely okay give me your feelings and then i'll go do what i'm going to do and i don't know it, it, it just seems like uh you could uh really overcorrect with that well, yeah, I'm not saying it's lip service because I think there is going to be more of a, especially at the quarterback position, when you have a, a former quarterback that played the position, uh, didn't play a lot in the NFL, but uh, he's familiar with the position. He's younger. He's an uh, offensive guy. So you're going to get a lot more if, if they keep Cousins, which they certainly said they were going to uh, for this year. Then you'll have more of a, you know, there's more of a ownership there. But I think – you know, Sean McVay's not a pushover. The, the guys from his tree are not going to be pushovers. They're younger. They're um, they're more willing to listen to players. But I think there's still 
when it's, you know, they're still in charge. They find a way to do it and still be in charge. Now, you know, it, we'll find out about this guy. We don't, we don't know. I mean, he's certainly came from uh, a spot where they, he just literally just saw how it's done and, and he's bringing that with him. He's bringing some assistance with him. He's got that culture that he's bringing with him. So, but he's still got to go out and beat the Packers and, uh, you know, and try and win the NFC North. And uh, so, yeah, these guys always win the press conference. They always say the right yeah. things. Uh, he's had a, got a good feel about him. I'd say that I think one of the after pressers, I asked him something about how his career, you know, you know, here is a guy that's played two games in the NFL. Maybe uh, as a backup uh, admits he wasn't good enough, didn't have the arm to be a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. So how does that help you coach a guy like Kirk Cousins or a guy like uh, Matthew Stafford? And he said that the way that he relates to players, uh, he, he sort of liked his toughness that uh, hit some injuries that, uh, this is probably but have been college, but where he played through it and he, just his, his ability to relate and to relate to people. Now that falls in line with Quasi, the, the GM that they hired. Um, this is going to be a different approach to how they, uh, they put a team together, how they, how they go forward with a team. Um, but ultimately is, it, do they know what they're doing? We'll find out. Does that kind of, uh, it just occurs to me now, is that kind of uh way of doing things, put more on the players if they're going to have that much input and then you kind of, you know, uh, you know, I mean, with Zimmer, it's his way or the highway. And so then he's got to stand up there and ask, answer questions and he's responsible. If he's putting these players in this position to win and they aren't winning, it's got to come back on him. Does this, does this ab, advocate more uh, pressure, you know, more responsibility on the players if they're, if they're going to have a, such a stake in how things are done? I, I'm just, you know, spitballing here. I have no idea. Well, I would think it would when it comes to them being prepared, to preparing themselves in the offseason. One, the one thing that Zimmer did, you know, bend on was how they practiced later in the season. Now, it may have taken him a while, but he listened to the players, and he, and he also started in training camp with those goofy helmets and stuff. So, you know, it's not like Zimmer wasn't listening at all. Um, right. You know, and also Zimmer's not capable or probably people of that that age or that era is not capable of giving the, the touchy-feely, like, I'm going to give you a hug, Joe. You know, it's Joe, do your job, you know. Uh, so it's maybe it's also just a part of how they communicate. I, um, you know, I still think that this guy's going to be in charge. I think Zimmer was in charge. Mm-hmm. And also think that Zimmer in some ways changed things for the players. So. Uh, you know, he may not have been texting them about how their, you know, how their kids doing in kindergarten, but uh, you know, that's kind of another thing that you hear people, players. You know, Trey Wayne's made some reference to that uh, before the Super Bowl in a podcast that he did about how, you know, Zach Taylor uh, was texting him about personal things, and it's like that made a difference to him. So. That's interesting. You know, to me, to me, to me, if an older player may that that may not matter. You know, I'm sure that the money had something to do with Trey Wayne's also going there. Besides a few texts that he got, so a lot of this is just how um, the communication and how people what people talk about now. Uh, ultimately, when you win, when Mike Zimmer was winning, there was no problem with Mike Zimmer's leadership. What he was doing, you know, when he was winning with great defense uh, and and Teddy Bridwater throwing for 99 yards at. Lambeau Field in week 17. Wasn't anybody talking about whether Zim was giving a hug to the right tackle or whatever. It's so winning 
winning is what really all that matters. And then uh, if you don't win, this guy's the way he approaches not going to mean a hill of beans. So it's he's got to win, and that's just ultimately, you know, when when Mike Zip, when uh when Bill Belichick wasn't winning in Cleveland, he was an idiot. Whenever he w- started winning Super Bowls, he was a genius. So that's just how it goes. Yeah, you're exactly right. It 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 maybe maybe you know it's it's more nuanced what what an approach like this does. Whereas a uh, Zimmer, if when you're not winning and he's just being the iron fist guy, then it's a job. And maybe if uh, uh, when you're not winning and the coach is more communicative and you're taken into consideration and what you think is good, then it becomes more like family that you want to be there. You want to be part of this. You want to maybe build it up. I don't know. It it all depends how it comes out, but I I agree with you. Ultimately winning is going to solve a lot of different things and make you more tolerant of, of, uh, what you have to deal with. And I, and I also think that you're going to probably going to lose some of, uh, you know, some of what made Zimmer uh, good to cover, probably made it good for the fans to kind of know what's going on a little bit more was he would, you know, he might give an honest opinion of a guy, especially a younger guy, a rookie, you know, Hey Mike, what do you think of this guy? And then he would say, you know, he would say something that would be maybe too harsh or, but to me it was like an honest, I'm not saying he was always honest, especially with injuries. He was not honest all the time, but I'm saying like sometimes he might give an honest evaluation and then he gets beat up for throwing guys under the bus or, you know, he never takes ownership. Um, you know, uh, of, so if you want a guy that's going to just always say the right thing, maybe this is the new wave of like, you're not, I don't think you're going to get, uh, you know, like sometimes Zimmer would say something honest about cousins or, you know, do you want to see Kellen Mond or whatever? And it got, you know, he's too harsh, he's too harsh. Well, now you're going to get a guy that's he's airbrushed and he's 36 years old and he's he knows how to say these things that people want to apparently want to hear about. You know, you're not going to hear probably a, a honest criticism about guys. I'm not saying that uh, he won't be a, a good interview, won't give information, but you know, to me, it's like, what do you do? You, do you want the, some? Sometimes you want the, the truth, or do you want just something that sounds good and everyone's happy with? Yeah, you don't want him making excuses for the players either, you know. I mean, you want him to hold them – it's it's a dance, you know. You want him to hold them accountable like Zimmer but not be too harsh that you're going to piss off the players. And you want them you, – you as a reporter and as, as a fan, you want to know what the problem was and the coach not to make any excuses for it. And I think if you're too, too – players coach type guy you could probably you could easily do that and you know whitewash it too i don't know yeah i mean there was one thing i don't know what what year it was but uh, someone asked zimmer about the players and you know the one thing that the coaches generally can't the line they can't cross is when they call them soft and he said something about i don't know if it was the offensive line i forget but some some unit was soft and i know that it came out and kind of learned later on that players that was the no-no you know you don't (laughs) Don't call these guys soft. And uh, so maybe Zimmer had to learn some of that. Uh, you know, I don't think you're going to hear this guy call anybody soft. So, yeah, it's interesting. You had uh, uh, Bud Grant was at the press conference and uh, he, he had talked to Patrick Rossi uh, about a, a first story in the paper the same day that you were reporting on Cousins and I should say on, on O'Connell. And he came from a different era where I, you know, I, I think eventually uh, Bud kind of was a different style in Zimmer. You're not going to hear him 
ripping on the players per se, but I, I he, he kind of was uh, not iron fisted, but he was in charge and everybody knew it and they wanted, and he didn't say a whole lot, you know, he was pretty stoic and all that. But uh, for him, uh, the greatest uh, attribute of a player was their durability. He said it back then before you were ever in town, and he, he, he maintains it to this day. In fact, he said to, to Patrick Royce in the paper, in his column, he was saying that you had asked a question in the press conference about comparing coaching uh, Stafford to uh, Cousins, and Bud didn't think it was a good question for whatever reason. He says because uh, he, he's ready to roll with uh, Kirk Cousins. Why? Because he's durable. He's always there. You know, and I, you know, agreed with that back then, but I don't know that I agree with it now. I think you, you know, sorry, I mean, this is heresy, not agreeing with Bud Grant, but you well, know, yeah, it's, it's a great quality. You got to know what you're rolling with every week. But if he's still, if he's not getting the job done, you want to find someone who's durable and it's even better. Well, I, I mean, that I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say disagree with the question because my question was not to say to compare them and, and say it with the indication that uh, the Cousins was bad and, and Stafford was good. Mike my, my was a legitimate, give me some information on what it was like to coach one, what it was like to coach the other, because you had one year for each. Um, and what are, what, no, well, what, what are the similarities and what are the differences? And the similarities were immediately it went to arm, you know, uh, the ability to pass the ball. That's got to be the number one physical trait is pass the ball. They both they have that in common. And that's the common thing with, with, with Cousins is he's got that arm. He's got, he can make all the throws. He's got the accuracy. So that was the similarities. And, and, he, and he mentioned that as that's the similarities. I didn't come out and say, now the differences are one guy, blah, 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 blah. He just went immediately to, you know, Matthew Stafford is one of the greatest players uh, I've coached or something like that. Yeah. And he just he went into the uh, ability to I don't know the exact wording, but it was the ability to think through the uh, think through the, the progressions or, or think through uh, make change uh, operate right. the line of scrimmage. It was yes. all these intangibles about what a quarterback needs. He said Matthew Stafford has that, and then he said I think Kirk has the ability to do that. So that I thought was a fantastic answer because it was right. he gave the seven Larrys and then. He gave the differences without really saying it that way, but immediately gave all this background, well, these intangibles that a quarterback needs that Matthew Stafford has and said Kirk can do that. So, uh, and this is the guy that's got to bring, if they keep him, that's the guy they got to, they have to bring it out. Now, uh, Bud was, uh, I think Bud jumped, I don't know, how, I don't know how, what Patrick asked him, but I think Bud jumped right to the, I don't think that, Cousins has to reach the level of Stafford. I would, I would be, I could roll with him right now because he's durable. Right. Well, you know, Matthew Stafford's durable too. Matthew Stafford, yes, he is. Got the crap knocked out of him in Detroit and had a stretch of eight years where he never missed a game. Um, didn't miss a game this year. Uh, so Matthew Stafford's durable as well. Now I understand that you know, and that that is Kirk's. That is. Uh, his strongest suit is that, yeah, he's never you know, missed a game because of injury. Um, so that is a fantastic thing to have. But, yeah, you might want to, especially for that kind of money, you might want that other thing that uh, that he can do, but he doesn't do consistently enough. 
playing in this quarterback in this day and age, it's probably, I mean, they do so much to protect the quarterbacks and more and more quarterbacks are playing a lot. You know, Rod or Brady hasn't missed that much. He wrecked a knee one time. Uh, Rogers hasn't missed that much. He got his shoulder blown up by Anthony Barr, but generally out there. So uh, it is, it is uh, a good quality to have certainly from a game planning standpoint for the coach to, uh, I think you need a little bit more than that too. And yeah, you're right. That that is a fantastic answer, it, and it's kind of saying that uh, O'Connell has seen some film on Cousins and and knows that he might not be as as good in the the front line. You know, I the whole thing about he has done very well, at least in the Zimmer. You know, you're not throwing interceptions because he was maybe told not to do that so much. And and Stafford came in through the playoffs throwing interceptions left and right, but he also made some amazing plays because he he's he's reading the the uh, defense at the line very well. So you know, and it that that, that was my, that was kind of my jumping off point was okay. I'm going to ask him about these two guys, okay? And and everybody is so we are so like fantasy football number related. Yeah. You know, people will rattle off interceptions and they're low. It's the greatest ever. If it if it's too high, it's the worst ever. Well, Matthew Stafford through seven, you know, seventeen interceptions. He led the league in the interceptions. Okay. Yep. So my point was, okay, let's ha- let's have him talk about this guy with the seventeen interceptions, and then this guy who threw five interceptions and, and had over four thousand yards had had typical the Kirk numbers, you know. But one guy went seven and nine, the other guy won the Super Bowl. And if you throw in the postseason interceptions Stafford had 20 interceptions so my thing is and it's a lot of time you know we show our age whenever we talk about winning as a winning as opposed to stats my thing was there's you know everybody that just hammers on the stats and and talks about that you know here's a guy that's coached them both you know one he's talking about has this this intangible knack of of taking you know taking big plays when uh when they're there uh and the other guy maybe a little too careful. And this this also goes back to I drudged up a, a, a quote from Jay Gruden in 2017 when O'Connell was the quarterbacks coach to, to Kirk, and there was a back and forth. It was a lot like what Zimmer and uh, and Cousins went through last year. It was like, you know, remember Zimmer was kind of like, you know, I I basically talked to him and you know you know take your chances, you know take your shots. And then Cousins, I I got an interview with Cousins right after that. And, t- and I said, Kirk, you know, do you feel like your big brain, you know, jokingly, does your big brain get in the way sometimes of your talented arm? And he's like, well, maybe coaches do sometimes. Yeah. And, it's like, and, then, and then he rattled off, hey, you know, uh, if they say, you know, go for it, I'll go for it. But they say, you know, take a seven-step drop. And he had this big, long answer, seven-step drop with a double hitch. And if, they, if they're playing quarters, check down. If they do this, blah, blah, blah. He goes, if I got that in my head, then I'm going to play that way. Now, the, the meeting was – Hey, you know, Zimmer's taking a little too much credit for for my because uh, there was a stretch where remember the Cowboys game uh, where Kirk wasn't taking it was like God throw the ball down the field and he was doing nothing none of that and then there was a stretch where all of a sudden it just opened up right. and Kirk was throwing the ball down the field and Jefferson was having big games and that's when it was this back and forth between like is Zimmer's you know Zimmer's now meeting with him and he's telling him to play the position right and Cousins didn't like that. So and so you go back to like 2017 and there was the same kind of thing going on between G. Gruden and Cousins and Cousins made a comment about uh, if I played the way Jay Gruden wants me to play I'll throw 20 interceptions and then Jay Gruden came back and said 
yeah, but if he plays that way, he'll throw 60 touchdowns. So that's, the, I guess, the balance maybe. If Kirk has this ability of that, you know, he's, he's going into ninth year as a starter or whatever, we're still talking about potential. Yeah. But this is the chance. He's got his offensive coach. He's got a young guy. He's got a guy that's uh, going to definitely give him a co-ownership of, like, hey, what do we, how do we want to attack? So now, you know, Kirk has got – this is this is it. I mean, this is his chance to to be that guy. He's because he shows flashes of it. I mean, he has he had games where he was fantastic in the last drive. He had four game winning drives, I believe, this year. So he can do it, but it disappears on him. So this is the guy that hey, you know, you you made your anti Zimmer hire. Zimmer and the quarterback didn't didn't see eye to eye, and didn't and Zimmer probably didn't want the guy here, and all this this that and the other thing. Now you've got this marriage that you wanted. You're bragging about it. Now it's got to produce. It can't be great numbers and eight and nine. You know, it's time for it to be great numbers or really good numbers and be, you know, 12 and five. Or With all due respect to, to Zimmer and Gruden and, uh, you know, go out there and, and take some chances type mentality. That's all. It, it, we said it earlier. Winning covers a lot of, of wards. Well, that's the same case here. If you're, wait, wait, if you're throwing all these interceptions and games, uh, it ain't so good. I mean, uh, Stafford threw a lot of picks, and a lot of times that hurt them. They got to the postseason for sure. They'd won enough games early to get there, and and he did a little bit better job. But, you know, Zimmer, you can't trot out the defense you've had the past two years and tell your quarterback to go out there, and I don't care how many interceptions you throw, throw it downfield. That's not going to work, but – you know, that's beside the point. Yeah, but the, yeah. But the, the, there was a point. There was a point there where, you know, they needed to trust Justin Jefferson and his greatness more than what he was doing. And when he did it, it paid off. Uh, I think that's kind of what they were saying. Hey, it's, you're not going to be completely open in this league. You got to take a little more chances. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is like, if, yeah. And if, the thing is, if you do that, then there might be some interceptions. And you know the. I always said, you know, Brett Favre was the, probably the. I was just gonna say Brett. Favre. He was he was the worst greatest. He was the worst greatest quarterback or the best worst quarterback because it was like, you know, Kurt. He played. He didn't play for stats. If it took six interceptions and he could win the game, he was gonna throw six interceptions. Right. Um, and, and and people, you know, you can argue that it's not a quarterback stat. I mean, uh. Stafford came into Minneapolis and threw what? Uh, was there a pick six in that game? He threw like three interceptions. Yeah. I think one of them was a pick six. Uh, they all blend together. But you know, he had a horrible game. They won the game. He gets you know that's a, that's a win for him. Uh, uh, however many years ago it was when they went yeah, to that Thursday. Yeah, right. And but that Thursday night game uh, at the at the Coliseum when the Rams were playing the Coliseum in two thousand eighteen. Maybe Cousins' first year. Cousins had a great game. Cousins was fantastic. Right. But Jared Goff had a perfect passer rating with five touchdowns. He had five touchdowns and maybe four incompletions and a perfect passer rating. The defense was the worst that, they, I mean, uh, maybe other than that New Orleans game in, on Christmas two years ago was the worst we've seen ever. And it was, but that was a loss for Kirk. So, and a prime time loss on top of that. So, there's just lacks context on some of this stuff anymore where you say Kirk Cousins is seven and 42 on prime time or so-and-so is this, that. And it's like, there's just not enough of like eyeball. There's, 
And in these Hall of Fame meetings, a lot of times you talk about, especially the younger guys, it's like you say um, the the eye that does so and so pass the eyeball test, you know, and the eyeball test comes without stats and it comes without uh, different things like that. So, you know, that, a lot of times Kirk, you know, has great games and it's it's not his fault that they lost. You know, you you brought up Brett Favre, and I was going to because it was all of a sudden made me think of it, and, and he he's the ultimate for that guy. It's that gunslinger mentality. Whenever when he first came to the Vikings, all the Packer fans I know were friends. Believe it or not, uh, they would all tell me, you know, he's going to be great for you, but he's going to break your heart. And I thought to myself, ah, no, that's not going to happen. That's just throwing stuff to the wind. You know, it, it, he's done it. That doesn't mean he's going to do it. We sure as heck did. You know, he, he he brought. I mean, he would. I remember the Packer game. Uh, he throws he throws to Percy Harvin in triple coverage, and for some reason they all fall down, and Percy trots in for a touchdown. You know, which is not a good pass. But it, you know, in, against the Saints in the NFC Championship, he, he he broke our heart. You know, with a with a bad pass. So I mean, that that that's a mentality. I mean, you have to make decisions so quick in this league at that position, and and. You have to take chances, like you said. You've got you're going to be covered in the NFL, so you've got to throw it in there anyway. And, and that, so it's, it's a and tough that, way to do it, but it, it, you know maybe Kirk, you know maybe Kirk's a good soldier. He did what Zimmer said. He was more you know conservative early on. Well, then he's got to start. I don't know. It, it's Kevin O'Connell's got a, got a interesting job trying to coax this out of Kirk or coach. You know, I, I don't know if, if Kirk is a conservative quarterback. I don't know if you can change that in him completely. I I think, uh, and first of all, uh, Brett Favre that year only threw like six interceptions. It was his best year yeah. statistically and probably his most disciplined year when it came to, uh, you know, Childress doesn't get credit for like having one of the best years of Favre's career be that year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it ultimately, it was good Brett all the way up to that, to that very end. Um, I forget what the other point was. Ah, I shouldn't have started off with that one. <laughs> well, anyway, it, 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 for me, it's it's going to be interesting to watch Kevin O'Connell try to, you know, if because he clearly knows by an, the, the answer to your question. It was a great question and a great answer. That oh, there's something a little bit different there, and if, you know, he's going to be able to coax that out of a conservative guy who's by his nature is kind of. We'll see. I I don't know. I, I it, it my senior moment came back, Joe. I, I was going to say that what you said, I don't know if Kirk is conservative or whatever. I've seen Kirk, uh, my, my read on Kirk from how he plays, how he talks, how you, he interacts with people. He's what, uh, I don't know if it was, uh, maybe it was Childress, call, you call someone a pleaser. You're one, you want to please everybody. And a lot of times I think that Kirk, uh, can we say this on the, uh, on the podcast, he's a grow a pair. Yeah. Especially whenever, if you're a guy that had, especially that was first when you, you come in and you're contracted, you you get the first guaranteed contract multi year in NFL history at eighty four million dollars, and he comes in kind of wanting to know what's the right thing to say, and, and he doesn't want to offend the coach. He doesn't want to, you know, I can see not wanting to offend players, teammates, and stuff, but everything wanted to be airbrushed. He wanted to be the Ken doll. Uh, it's kind of what I mean. I, I don't like Kirk, but I He's sometimes I think look, pretty good looking. Guy. Yeah, he just wants to be that that perfect image. And sometimes you need to say, "I'm the quarterback." Uh, you know, if it's if it's pissing off the coach with maybe a play, don't run a play that they, occasionally. That uh, what are they going to do? Bench him? Well, are they going to bench him and put in uh, uh, Sean Mannion or whatever? I mean, 
he needs to kind of have a little more. I don't know. It's the swagger. It's we go back to the Joe I, Burrow stuff. Yeah, you just need to have. I think he needs to have a little bit more of that. And uh, if it was a case of he wasn't taking chances because they were telling him to do blah blah blah, then he maybe should have on his own. You know, he's he should own the field a little more than. And maybe this comes with this new uh, coaching where it's like a little bit. There'll be maybe there'll be more rope. There'll be more leash uh, where Kirk can do some of the things, you know, that nice uh, they're talking about. With all those offensive weapons, it'd be nice to see. I know that you had a uh, after the presser, you had a, a, a Star Tribune sit down with uh, Kevin o- O'Connell. Did anything else come from that we haven't touched on yet, or is it more of the same to to write that story? What what? Uh, what was that? That was like one on one with him, or, or well, it was a group. It was all it was all the beat writers, well, beat writers, and also you know a lot of other kind of people that would aren't there on a regular basis. Um, you know, there's it, it's good. He's engaging. I, I, I joked. I said because he was talking about you know playing for Belichick and his respect for Belichick and just how he was misperceived, mis, <laughs> the misperception of Belichick. Uh, how he really cared about the players. Interesting. Um, and I told him, I said, I covered Belichick for five years and because and, this thing went like an hour and a half or something or it went long. And I said, you said more to to the media right now than Belichick probably said to, to us in Cleveland in five years, you know? So you're um, very personable, very kind of like, um, and I don't know what it this means. This doesn't really mean anything to anybody, but it's like whenever he's, um, when you go around, you introduce yourself and you talk, you know, and he, he's like, he, he has questions for you. He, he'll like want to engage you and it makes people feel better, I guess. You know, Zimmer's not going to go around the room and say, Hey Joe, how's your, did you catch a fish today, Joe? Uh, you know, tell me how long the fish was, uh, you know, is this the best fish you ever caught? I mean, Zim's going to say, Hey Joe, uh, you know, and maybe that makes people feel better. Uh, I think in the media it probably does. Yeah, but it tells you tells you that he's a little he's more personable, and I think the players. The bottom line is, it doesn't matter what you know, how he makes us feel. If he makes the players, if he makes Eric, if he brings something more out of Eric Kendricks. That's uh, you know, Zimmer brought an awful lot out of Eric Kendricks. So, but if he brings more out of these guys that uh, maybe an older coach doesn't, then that's that's ultimately that's all you want, and that's that's what the the Vikings are gambling on. The Vikings are are not selling a reboot. They're not selling. Uh, start over they are selling we think that the guy who just left that we fired couldn't coach these this group of people as well as the people we think is coming in yeah oh uh because they're saying you know we got the talent we got the you know and and they talked about keeping kirk for this year and they talked about uh you know there's there went through the, the the defensive players and the offensive players that they have so the 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 message loud and clear was we think we got a guy now that can bring out what Mike Zimmer couldn't bring out of these guys. You know, that's, that's, that's going to be interesting. That's a very good point. I like that. Uh, that that's what, that's what they're thinking that, that this guy can do better any, any better somehow. Uh, I get it out of them. Uh, I want to touch on a couple extra other points. Uh, maybe digging a little bit deeper. You talk to him. Um, he said all the right things, Kevin O'Connell at the, at the uh, presser. Um, the biggest thing for him is going to be decisions on Kirk Cousins, and he opened the door there. We're saying that, you know, he's Matthew Stafford can do this. He's not quite as good. We're going to coach him up for that. We're going to he, – he reiterated and some of the other places that he's going to be coaching uh, Kirk this year. 
But then you have a report this morning or yesterday that uh, 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 the Panthers have contacted the Vikings to see if they are going to trade him. And then all of a sudden, Twitter runs wild with the speculation about you know, no, getting this or that. I, I know it's hard to believe. You know, I you know I couldn't believe it. So, um, and you talked me off that ledge, thankfully. So. Uh, so basically it's a phone call, which probably happens all the time and somehow it gets out. doesn't mean they're going to trade him, but let me ask you, do you feel after talking to him? Cause you may be in your scrum. You probably had more questions about this than they had in the, in the televised presser. Uh, do you think they are going to hang on to him? Do you think they are going to entertain these, these trade offers if they come and, and what do you, what would you think they should do what do you think they will do and what should they try to get in return what where, where would be that your stopping point i mean I, they better get a one out of them and something else as far as i'm concerned well it depends on what's offered i mean they uh, you know uh o'connell was asked two questions uh, the first two questions about him was one was kind of glowing and i know what kirk can do we're already putting together an offense you know that we think can get the, the most out of him uh, certainly talked a lot about his arms uh, and the ability to, to make all the throws. And then the next question was, is he going to be your starting quarterback for this year? And the first kind of answer was, well, he's under contract. And, you know, I don't know. If, a lot of times you, you, you may read too much into how something's worded or what comes first or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, but then, the you know, uh, Ziggy and Mark both said he, he's uh, – you know, they're excited to have Kirk as their quarterback for this year. I think Mark Wolf might have said something for definitely for this year. Uh, Quasey stepped in and said, I'm ex- or, uh, I'm ex- or O'Connell said, I'm excited to coach him. And then Quasey stepped in to make sure I'm excited that he's excited about coaching him. So, but if somebody calls and makes a, a Rams like offer of two ones, uh, a three, and, a, and their starting quarterback, things probably change. I don't, I'm not saying someone will do that. But the Rams proved that if you feel like you are a quarterback away and you've got everything in place, that it's okay to overpay. And, you know, this league follows. They follow the leader. And there's teams out there without a quarterback. And if they feel like they have – got, you better make sure that you feel like you're close to being the team that can win the Super Bowl. Because to make a uh, – to mortgage your future uh, on one of – Five missing pieces is the wrong thing to do. If it's if you think it's I one missing piece, yeah, yeah. See, you could uh, you could end up. You know, if you think you're a running back away and you give Jimmy Johnson the team of the '80s or <laughs> team, sorry, team of the '90s, uh, and you and, and you get Herschel and you, I mean, Herschel was a good player, but he was it was not the missing piece, and so yeah, but uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's going to be calls. I mean, they're going to field offers. You don't. It's not news that saw that uh, the pan, that that a quarterback starved team is calling to see if Kirk Cousins can be their quarterback because as much as we like talk down to Kirk sometimes and we talk up to Kirk, Kirk there's a reason he's 59, 59 and two in his career because it's like you spend half your time saying Kirk is up here and everybody agrees with you or disagrees with you and then you say well he's now he's down here and the same people are now they're disagreeing with you and agreeing with you. So, but, but the bottom line is he's a good quarterback that can help teams. He can, he can help the Vikings. Uh, it, without him, he doesn't, they don't win eight games last year. And so, that's the whole, whole point <coughs> right there is if it, this is a little, this is not the same Herschel Walker decision. That's a running back. I mean, th- this is the, 
thing that the Rams did if you were to entertain this trade is to switch out your quarterback and somehow get a better one out there. I don't know how they did that, but they did. And uh, if it's for me, it's a difference of, okay, if we keep Kirk, we're trying to win this year. If we, if we don't, we're going to, we're going to go rebuild because the Vikings are also a defense away from, from doing anything in this in the playoffs. So they have to rebuild the defense. The Rams had that defense in place when they brought in Stafford. It's a huge difference. So I mean to me if if they trade him, you know, I mean it's they're going against what the Wolves said at their introductory press conference for Quasi and that they want to win now. You know? Uh well I, I, go ahead. One one thing that I've you know, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a cap guy. I'm not a good even media cap guy. But my thing would be two choices: either you trade him, or you somehow you make that forty-five million dollars work. You don't tie yourself to him longer term. Get it out. Take your shot this year if you think that. You know, and then if he does well, then you know they got a, they got a great cap guy. So. It seems like that can be done, especially when you have a, a first-year uh, program. That if you feel like your offense can be really, really good, or be, or can be bet much better than what you had, and and your uh, your defense can be, if you can piece it together and to be a winning and, and take your shot. Uh, because otherwise, I think you need, you know, Kellamon's not ready. Uh, Sean Mannion isn't ready. Uh, do you go out and you get uh, a short-term quarterback, and then that's not a recipe for success? So, to me, the offense could be really good. It could could go beyond what they had last year or the two years ago when it was really good. You know, the defense uh, can you piece it together? But to me, uh, yeah, I would be listening to all offers, I, especially if you're starting out, a, you're building a program. Uh, they're, but they're not selling and building a program. But to me, if you're in your first year and you know you're not going to get fired after this year and someone offers you a, a one, you know, be hard not to uh, to take it. Yeah, you, you make a good point there. They're not selling it because that's what they, that's that's the reason no matter what they're doing behind the scenes, they're going to tell us right out front that they're not they're going to go with Kirk and they're going to win now and blah, blah, blah. So they keep their season ticket holders. My father-in-law has – has four tickets and uh, that he's always parceled out to his kids and um, his grandkids. And he just said, I'm not going to do it this year. He says, we were talking about it because they're not going to be any good next year. So you, yeah, you we better, don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Don't, no. It, it depends on what they do. It, you know, they, they can keep the status quo with Kirk in a, in a, in a league that uh, is, was pretty evenly balanced this year. A lot of people had a chance up until week 17 and, and, uh, uh, you, you don't always see that, or you know, you can say, okay, let's you know get rid of Kirk and rebuild that defense, and then draft some a decent quarterback. Uh, uh, and and people like Justin Jefferson is going to have to suck it up until you know for a couple of years, and Dalvin Cook and, and the offense, and it's it's such a huge decision for this for this organization right now, and and uh, the it's. It shows you where they're going to go, what what they decided to do with Kirk. You know, the other thing that people have talked about is uh, Daniil Hunter, you know, wanting to trade him and, you know, willing to entertain offers. And now this is all Twitter, you know, so I'm not saying – I haven't seen any smoke behind – or steam behind that, but it's people speculating what they could do and what they should do with Daniil Hunter. I personally don't want to get rid of him, but 
Bud Grant would kick him down the road right now because he's not he would, right. Right, and uh, Bud Grant never had to pay someone eighteen million dollars uh, on day three of the or whatever it is of the of the new league year. So yeah, to me, it's uh, as great as he is and great as he could be. He's played six games in two years. Uh, he went from being the Iron Man to being a guy that you're afraid to give a lot of money to because what's next, you know? What's your what's, what's next? your sense of watching the league all these years about his body? Is this just going to be the trickle down effect, and and you should get rid of him now before his his value deteriorates, or or is or is are these two anomalous injuries, and he's he's still the same? You know, they called him a raw freak back when they drafted him, and he was they they really made him into the player that he was. Yeah, but those are the kind of things. It's hard. I mean. Uh, in the media, we all have, we all know, we all know everything, Joe. Right? We, we That's know, why I'm we, asking you. I'm about saying it's like we we like to say we know everything about everything. It's, right. It gets past us, but you know we don't have access to the medical records. We don't have access to them That's examining true. him. Especially um, in a Zimmer, especially in a Zimmer regime, you don't have. Yeah, but if if you feel like that he is going to come back, because one was a neck injury. Now, if it was a second neck injury, then yeah, I yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give him anything, but the second one was a peck injury. Peck injury. So, you know, to me, it's like, okay, what what are they trying to determine? Uh, is it, you know, will he be will he be okay? But we'll find out. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's another huge question, and I I you know, I think Kevin O'Connell coming from a, a team that ha- uh, where he watched uh, Aaron Donald for the past few years would. Would want to roll the dice and keep uh, Daniil around, who's who's certainly in that in that tier. Maybe not as great as Donald, but he's in that tier before he got these injuries of of that kind of production on the defensive line. And I, I have a hard time kicking that away, especially if you want to. Be, well, certainly if you want to win this year, but so I, I, I'd like yeah. to see. Him, but what can I say? Um, yeah, why don't we on that note take a quick break? Come back and talk a couple more things. And, uh, uh, you know, move on to uh, some other issues and, and uh, keep it rolling on the Vikings territory breakdown. Well, that was a nice, that was a nice. Uh, that, was, that was me trying to ask a question to O'Connell, right? Like Foster Brooks. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to just. Do a real quick uh, intro on the uh, the de- what you know the news part of the defense, and then I'll, I'll let you if, if you can comment any at all. And I don't have a whole lot of questions. And then I'm gonna move on to I'm gonna you know we won't spend that long. I'll say this segment filler stuff for next time, and and uh, we can then do. Uh, I gotta ask you about uh, freaking Phil Mickelson, and then then we'll go from there. What what did he do? <clears throat> oh, he's creating this league with the Saudis and Donald Trump. You know this other league to try to piss off the uh, uh, um, the PGA Tour so they can get more money for their their use of their names and images and likeness. So the PGA Tour he says is making all those kinds of money and, and oh, so he, yeah, okay. Rory came out and roasted him this morning, which was kind of funny. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that. Uh. Anyway, <clears throat> I, we won't spend long on that. I'm just talking about golf. All right. <clears throat> All right, here we go. 
All right, welcome back to uh, Vikings Territory Breakdown. Hey, I didn't trip over at that time. God, I'm getting better at this. Uh, Mark Craig from the Star Tribune is with us, and and we're chatting about the Vikings. And, you know, I, I, I want to run down the, the coaching hires because I know that everybody, this is where they come for their news, you know, so we got to get some news. <laughs> uh, the Vikings are, you know, Kevin O'Connell and, and Kwesi, uh Adolfo Mensa are, are putting together a staff, and they've been uh, fast and furious with it the past weeks, and certainly since announcing uh, 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 O'Connell as the coach. I'll just run run down the names. Mark, you can comment on any or all of them, but uh, um, we'll go from there. I got Ed, Ed Donatell is the uh, uh, new defensive coordinator, but they also hired, hired Mike Patine, uh uh, as kind of a special assistant on the defense to help out, which is probably a good thing. It bothers me that they're both former Packers. Uh, Matt Daniels is uh, the special teams coordinator. I know the Vi- you know Vikings are going to have a they're going to come down a little bit in special teams because they were so high last year. I thought they had a really good year, and he came from the Rams. He got D- Durante Jones as the defensive backs coach. Ben. Katwika is assistant special teams. Wes Phillips, son of Wade and grandson of Bum Phillips, is going to be the new offensive coordinator, also coming from the Rams. And they got Mike Smith, an outside linebackers pass rush specialist, who's also got Packer roots. So I don't know what that says. But, uh, you know, Mark, Mark, is it more important to get guys that you know he's bringing in a lot of Rams and ticking off uh, Sean McVay so much that he blocked uh, Jonathan Cooley from coming? Uh, uh, to the uh, Vikings, kind uh, uh, tried to hire him as well. Um, is it more important to get people you know, say they can do your system, or do you get the best coaches available, or what do you what do you think? Any thoughts on something like that? Well, I, it's a I, it's a combination. I think you know you know I I sort of like that he you know he he's got a voice now with Wes Phillips. I think Wes Phillips was a passing game coordinator, tight ends coach. Um, you know, this t- the head coach can't be everywhere, so. When they're you know, the head coach has to kind of bounce between even Zimmer, I think poked his nose in the offensive room once in a while. <laughs> so this guy, you know, is going to be kind of an overall. He's, he's the head coach, so his voice in that offensive room is now Wes Phillips, who also just went through a parade last Wednesday to, and has a Super Bowl ring. Uh, so that's kind of good, and then to have a couple other voices from the Rams is good. The, the special teams coordinator was a uh, Matt. Daniels was a was a player, uh, maybe yeah. 2015, I think. So he's young. It's a, it's, yeah, he's got that young. He's got another young voice that's on this. But I think I think having a young guy on special teams uh, coaching is is could be good because you know there's a, I'm not saying an older guy like Mike Prefer definitely had a lot of energy, but you know that's a good uh, spot to have a good personality because they coach all different positions. Uh, that's right. good. You know the the, the two um, uh, the two Packers coordinators is kind of, I mean, the Vikings are exposed for a lot of, uh, could be poked fun at because the one guy is known for being fired after giving up fourth and 26 back in, uh, fourth and 26 has its own Wikipedia page because of, <laughs> of, of the Packers, you know, losing to the, uh, to the Eagles in, uh, January, 2004, Donatello gets fired after that. Now Donatello also had a number five defense somewhere in his Packer yeah. time, but, He's known as the fourth and twenty-sixth guy that got blown out. Uh, meanwhile, Petten is the guy that's known as hey, they went thirteen and three, uh, made it. They had home field advantage and uh, they played like crap in the uh, 
Sorry, we had to uh, interrupt there because I called Mike Patton Mike Patine. I, I think I'm screwed up by all the Wordle play I'm, I'm going through these days. I'm mispronouncing names, but just checking on what vowels are in it. Anyway, uh, Mark, you were talking about Patton. What, uh, you know, the, the Packers defense has, you know, They've been up and down. You know, they've had Rodgers all these years, and now, now the Vikings are bringing in at least three different players from, from uh, uh, the Packers' defense to, to uh, uh, shepherd uh, this one. Uh, yeah, there's going to be ridicule, but I, I, I don't know. You, t- tell me that it's, it's, it's probably a good thing. Patton used to be the coach of the, the uh, Browns, wasn't he? Yeah, head coach for the, uh, one of the – I think the Royce had the stat or something uh, like ten. The Browns have had ten head coaches in the past whatever six years or whatever the heck it is, and the Vikings had ten in their whole history. But no, I, the two the two Packers hit, you know guys defensive coordinators. I've like as we said, uh, uh, Donatello is the fourth and twenty six guy that got blown out. Petten's the guy that uh, they go thirteen and three and they make the NFC Championship game. They're at home. They got everything going for them and they lose to Brady. And the, the the defense was so poor in that game that the defensive coordinator gets fired after a thirteen and three season where they make it to the NFC Championship game. So they're now both here. Uh, one thing they're going to do with Petten, I think Petten's kind of his title is assistant head coach, or um, but uh, in that post uh, they were talking about things afterwards. Uh, O'Connell uh, called uh, what he wants to have done, and uh, this is another uh, thing about maybe more, the younger coaches are more into. Uh, they call him a situational master, and they uh, that might be the greatest title ever, Joe. I, I want to be a situational master. Yes, but 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 apparently when when uh, O'Connell, my own situation. Yes. So when O'Connell was, I believe, with the Patriots, they, they overlapped. Petten was an assistant, and he, he told a story about how you know Petten was. Uh, he goes, you know, you're not a good player. Whenever like a coach that you it comes to you and goes, yeah, have you ever thought about coaching? And you're still like 20, in your 20, early 20s or whatever. So there was a respect built there for, for Mike Petton's ability to like game management. So, uh, you know, like Mike Petton would kind of be the guy that, uh, that, that, that O'Connell um, leans on whenever it's uh, – because it despite what we feel, like the coach can't see everything. The coach can't see all 22 players and the clock and the refs. And, so he's leaning on uh, Petton to be that guy that maybe say, hey, do I need to show up for the red flag? Uh, and maybe help him with some game management stuff. That's a good thing to have. And he's an experienced guy as well. Uh, and the defensive coordinator is sixty-five. Petten, I think, is fifty-six. So you got uh, you got the, your young guys with the the energy and everything. That, and he, but you also have a mix of like I knew the defensive coordinator was not going to be a young guy. It's going to be an experienced guy, uh, someone that he respects, someone that he can turn the defense over to. And now he's got this defensive guy. Uh, that he's going to be leaning on as a situational master. Uh, so it's a nice mix, you know, but again, we'll see. We'll see what happens whenever they start playing. And, you know, maybe if Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers. Packers, but. Right. If Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, which, you know, I, last year I thought, never thought once that he was ever going to be let out and go. But this year it kind of becomes a, well, you know, are they going to go through, they're going to put up with this again for another year. Uh, but ultimately, I you know, if, you, if as long as you're winning MVPs, I think I keep hanging on to you. Uh, but yeah, if, if they if if Gary Rogers is there and Matt Lafleur has it going, and um, all this stuff isn't going to mean anything if they can't beat the Packers and overtake the Packers. That's what you, uh, the goal is: is to put yourself in position. Um, 
you know, to have that home field and it didn't work out for the, for the chiefs. Uh, so, you know, to me, it's like that first step is taking care of that division. That, uh, that didn't occur to me until just now that if three, three player, three coaches that have in some, have some ignominy uh, with the, with the Packers and maybe got let go before they should have with them might be a little uh, revenge motivated when it comes to that. So the, the rivalry maybe takes on some new, a new level, you know, I, I get tired of all the, yeah, Ryan Longwell and Darren Sharper and Brett Favre and blah, 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 all coming to the Vikings from the Packers. You can't win without, you know, former Packer players. Well, maybe this would be, this would be really nice. I would have, Absolutely no problem. I'll welcome with some open arms. I want to ask you real quick about the combine because it's coming up. Uh, I read a report somewhere that some uh, players are talking about avoiding the combine or not going because of masking restrictions. I don't know if that was more Twitter BS or not. But um, do you have? Do you go to the combine? You usually don't, do you? I have not gone to the combine since it was uh, helpful for media to be at the combine. <laughs> I mean, you still, get, you still get all the you still get all the podium. I, I, of course, I haven't been there over ten years, but when I went there, it was kind of a little bit more low key. There wasn't it wasn't just about uh, it was you know it was at the the Hoosier Dome or RCA Dome, whatever they called it, um, and it was you know like everybody that GMs and coaches and the who's who's of the, of the NFL were at a podium with a reasonable amount of media, and they come off the podium. There'd be a lot of time for you know. Uh, it wasn't just a swarm of not only reporters and, and people that were getting in there as reporters and also like fans wanting autographs. And uh, so that's just, a, that's my own personal, like that, that, that's what you obviously prefer is where you get access and you can get, you know, guys talking that's not, that are not just on a podium saying you know, all the things that you need to say on a podium. So uh, yeah, but uh it's still a good place for, like, for people to go. It's obviously it's the, it's the start of, you know, here we go again. And uh, yeah, the NFL never, never slowing down. And uh, ever hear any goofball questions uh, of, I mean, you aren't in there with the interviews when they're interviewing the players, but some of that stuff seems probably pretty bizarre. I just remember this is my hearing this from the Super Bowl when I used to cover it, covered one way back when, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? But they don't ask that kind of. Bullying. Is that the is that the Barbara Walters question or? Uh, it, it was some. It was some. I thought it was that uh, that that uh, uh, Brown. What was her name? She was uh, downtown Julie Brown. She might ask that question. I can't remember. I think she stole it from Barbara Walters. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was. Uh, I I don't think I was there. Uh, Manti Teow. I don't know what year he came out. So I don't think I was there. That might have been one of the first years I, or maybe I was there for him. Yeah, because I remember writing a big story about him. Uh, but obviously he came out with the he got catfished and he had like the uh, the girlfriend that was that he talked about, but she was online and didn't exist or whatever. Uh, that was that, that. There were like forty questions asked, and thirty five of them were about this fake girlfriend. And one of them was, are, are you dating anybody in real life? <laughs> and I remember, Steve, you, know, you kind of standing there, you're thinking, you know, uh, we're talking to one of the best linebackers in the league who's going to be a first-round draft pick, and we're talking about this. And it's just yeah. like, uh, it's just weird, you know. It's, it is. It's crazy. And it has to be, you know, it has to be weird to stand there. and then, uh, First of all, to go through what he went through and then to have to, like, talk about it. So I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah, and then and then they make subway commercials about it. 
Exactly. The guy's had a second life with that line, you know. I thought that they should have just let him. At the Super Bowls, it was it was actually kind of nice because then everybody would, I mean, it took a lot of the crowds and put it on a guy that didn't want to talk. And to <laughs> me, it was like, it was, it was like if he, if, 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 um, if Marshawn had just gone in and sat down and give, given boring answers, nobody would have paid attention. I mean, they would have obviously talked to him because he was a star player, but they would have like spent a couple minutes and then just took off. Everybody's got to get that film of him saying that. <laughs> but then he said that and he, and then he would leave and he had to get the footage of him leaving. And uh, so it was, to me, I thought it was uh, trying to like, to not be selfish. You're selfish. Like, you know, I don't want to talk. I want to play became like bigger than the guy next to you. And yeah. so to me, it was like, if you didn't want to talk, just go, you can't, you can't legislate when a guy's, is going to be a jerk. And it's like, you, you can find him. You can like you know, when Trey Waynes was here, you know, I think he got fined or threatened to be fined or whatever. It's yeah. like, my feeling was, you know, I, I guess if I'm younger, I'm fighting for, you know, you got to stand there and answer questions. But to me, if yeah. you're going to stand there and be, a, if you're going to stand there and be a jerk, then just go and, and we'll find someone we'll talk to. Hopefully that's not a jerk. So, yeah, yeah I, he, he didn't like, he didn't like us. And, and no. He was, was not. Difficult. He he didn't he didn't yeah. want any part of it, and uh, and, and then there was uh, Zendejo. I, I have my own story with him. Someday we'll have in the off season here. Maybe we'll talk about some of the the greatest question and answer uh, parts we've been part of. But uh, Andrew Zendejo, yeah, he was he was a prince in the in the in the locker room. Uh, well, I'm getting phone calls. You're getting phone calls. Better get out of here. I got two quick <laughs> questions. I haven't mentioned Mankato beer yet, so I got to do there you that. go. Yeah, and uh, thirty-five. <laughs> gotta go out there and get some. Go out there and get some right away. Yeah, you'll love it. Uh, Cross-check Pilsner. Anyway, uh, I want my golf question of the week is Phil Col or Phil Collins says Phil Mickelson <laughs> lost his mind. He's getting into bed with the Saudis and Don Donald Trump and forming a new league to try to make the uh, PGA Tour mad and and get some leverage against them who because he feels that they are getting all this money from their names and images and likenesses and and so that the player should be cashing in on that. Now I think he's got a point in that regard maybe because it's it's millions and billions, but uh, and, and if he's looking out for his brother and fine, but eh, don't get him don't get in bed with Donald Trump, please. You know this is this the guy I followed forever and his he's getting torched by some of his fellow players for taking the stand. Just wonder if you knew about it and what you thought. I, I did not know about it until you, until you told me, but uh, I'm surprised that you're surprised that Phil uh, Mickelson's chasing a buck. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Uh, how, much did he, how much did he get for beating Tiger in uh, 18 holes of golf? What was that, uh, the, the match or whatever it was? That was part of, part of his problem. He said at some point they had to pay something to get in that, you know, yeah. which I think, are you kidding me? You know, but anyway. I, I don't, I don't begrudge him like uh, making money off his image. If that's what they want to do. And, uh, you know, doing it with Trump is obviously going to open yourself up to uh, a lot of criticism from people. So to me, it's like, if you're trying to get, make your image and try and get money off your image and you, so and you go with him uh, to me, that's probably a risk, you know, uh, no matter how you feel about him. I mean, that's kind of how my, Michael Jordan was criticized back whenever, you know, uh, he wanted his image. He was a businessman. He wanted to make monies. And I don't fault him for that. But it was like, you know, and his famous line was, I, you know, Republicans buy tennis shoes as well. And it's like, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> yeah, I, if you're looking to these guys to be your your idols or your spokesmen for your political views, then uh, you're looking in the wrong place, I would think. So to me, it's like, yeah, he associates with Trump, but do we have to like boycott or blot out everything if, if someone doesn't do exactly what we want them to do? Or well, I be think with, you know. it, it's, it's important, Mark, because people are going to start using our names and images and likeness from this thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, what, for like a, make like bank a food bag. Month, okay. Yeah. So. Not without me getting a piece. No, I'm kidding. Well, that, that that should do it on that note for for this week in Vikings Territory Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in. Mark, thanks for the chat and the time. Mike Waldem in the background, thank you, sir. We always appreciate what you do. And we'll be back next week to talk more of this. That stuff's going to keep happening quick and, and furiously out at uh, TCO Performance Center because uh, the Viking or the uh, – uh, squatted out there is a little bit behind the eight ball here. You got to get going and got to keep uh, catching up and getting ready. Cause like you said, 24, seven, 365. Here we go with the combine. We'll be back next week to break down more of that. Thanks everybody. And uh, Joe skull. <laughs>